Hello and welcome back to the F24 podcast. My name is David and every week I invite a creative over to my studio in North Acton to talk about their lives and interactions with London culture and creativity. This week I had Charlie Shazer over from Kids Loving Keast. Charlie's been tattooing for 20 odd years and he's a true patron at the art and he also owns and runs a great parlour off Brick Lane in East London. It was a great interaction with him. I've known Charlie for a few years and predominantly through the graffiti world. But as usual, getting this quality time to find about people's journeys, it was a real eye-opener. Super inspiring. Enjoy. This is F24. And he happened to be in the main car of your hand street. Well. One day playing a stereo with Electro. And I, was, I heard it from like yeah. two blocks away, so I leg it up there. And it's my buddy Andrew Harrison. And then I met some other dudes because they'd heard it and these kids were breakdancing. And some friendships were formed that day. Chapter one, London. We start off in Kingston, West London with Charlie, and we get right into his school life and his parents' choice to leave London and the choices he was given around that time. We get into his interest and how life was for a teenager in London, and also talk about getting into culture, the first wave of hip-hop and clubbing with his crew. And we also hear about his first tattoo experience. Let's, um, let's start at the beginning, man. So where are you from? Well, Kingston. Grew up Kingston. Born okay. in Roehampton, 1969. And then moved to Kingston, mum and dad. So that was an awesome upbringing, like, you know, just like being near Richmond Park, all that kind of stuff. Amazing, yeah. A little bit of hustle and bustle still. Um, but a lot of greenery, a lot of nature out there yeah, as well. Yeah, which, like, I didn't involve my life in up until recently again. Um, but um, it was good, you know. Uh, you had to search out stuff you liked, you know. It wasn't, the, the local interest wasn't that great, maybe. I don't know, yeah, just like riding bikes, whatever, the like outdoor stuff, yeah. drawing. I mean, I drew a lot. What was it you were getting into with drawing? I mean, back then, like, I don't know, I drew since I could, like, sort of five-ish or something. I think I was very shy as a kid and all that sort of thing. Oh, right, okay, yeah. And um, so it was just paper and pencil drawing, it was me. Didn't have to really talk to people while I did it, whatever. But, so instead of going under the sofa when people came to the house, you, mm, you could just be, you could continue doing what you were doing, which was drawing comics or copying comics or drawing, like, and then got to quite realistic stuff like O levels, which I screwed up. But um, so art went all the way through your whole schooling as well. It just I mean, like, yeah, you I carried went to on drawing. Wrong schools for it. Uh, the second school I went to in Roehampton was had a bit like an art department where they sort of taught some stuff, did some yeah. screen printing, things like that. But introduced you I just used to sit and draw for myself anyway um, and then like I don't know I was kind of bored with that I wasn't very good at school I wasn't academic like that and in the 70s it was a bit sort of you just had to learn facts and be good at regurgitating them so I kind of messed all that up whatever and then um, um, discovered the little sort of first little wave of hip hop I guess like music turned, like changed my life specials album first specials album when I was like 12 opened my head up to like different stuff so rather than what was yeah obvious roots so I was like okay yeah. I like two tone madness were fun but specials were like alright they mean something like I've got to figure that out like what is it yeah and it dressed a bit better I don't know yeah that edgy thing and then um and you caught that at 12 and you knew that there was a yeah, yeah but like, I, I, I sort of stayed with the two tony thing and then got a little bit into like um, 1950s rockabilly, psychabilly kind of vibe through kids at school. Wow. Started dressing all like that. And then a couple of years, I guess I was like 13. I, I don't know, I saw um, just bef- something before Buffalo Gals video surfaced on TV for the first time. Because that, again, that was one of the second things that changed my life, seeing that. Yeah. 
the whole hip hop thing. I remember hearing McLaren talk about it on the tube, that old music program. Okay. Like, um, and he like had a deck and he was trying to scratch and explain it. And you thought like, wow, what is this? Must be some weird punk thing. Like, don't understand it. It sounds interesting. Definitely intriguing. There was drip drops of it came over, and then someone must have showed. Buffalo Gals video, and obviously Dondi doing that outline and everything. I was just like, wow. That sound and seeing that thing. Yeah, the whole thing thing was was in. like what gave me a hard on, like. Yeah. uh, Interesting. And started just having a go at that. So this is still in school, like. Yeah, that was the end of school. I was like, I don't know, 13, 14, I suppose. Um, And then my folks moved to Norway because of my dad's job. Oh. I wanted to stay at school with my friends and sort of kicked off a fuss, so I lodged with an old neighbour. Yeah. Um, cool. They let you stay? Yeah, no, I think it was kind of like, uh, let's let him, you know, he wants to try, let him have a go. Yeah. And obviously, I screwed it up, and school said you've got to do fourth year again, so I went, eventually went to Norway. But right. By then, because I was on my own, sort of like doing whatever, so I'd had a little go at like some little stupid tags. I got a little bronze out of Halford's Duplicolor and did this stupid, ugly line work thing in Kingston Precinct when they were building the boots. There was the hoardings. Okay. And all these kids used to break and stuff. So it hit it hit Kingston as well. So there was... There yeah, was... the Burbs, and there was this Sutton crew that were really good at breaking. I forget the name, but they had all the trackies and like... So hip-hop was literally coming out of everywhere. electro, maybe. Electro, yeah. It was the electro thing. Yeah. It was like a side shoot of the casuals and stuff. Um, and I was this little sort of 50s weirdo kid in the middle of it. So I did a little few tags and had a go at breaking that day. You know, I didn't get beat up or anything. <laughs> and then, like, eventually more hip-hop things came over and you saw Beach Street and all that. And then you started getting, you know, really was like, all right. And I just kept with the graph and the drawing. And school was just fucking up, though. And, well, it- 15, yeah, I sort of, because I moved to Norway. And school there wasn't very good. So I think I, I lasted till I was 16 and then got out. And I was backwards and forwards between here and there. Yeah. Went to like Isha College for a few months, but got thrown out of there. Just a complete mess head. It was just a waste of time. Yeah. Didn't learn anything. And, um, Education wasn't the key then. In, yeah, because well, it was like a rebel thing and it was like I could do my quiet little shy self within it. Like I didn't really have crews and that. It wasn't until like... Um, Mid or late 80s when I started meeting people, going mug club. So, th- and then I met some of the boys and stuff. A couple of years, a couple of years or so before you go to Norway, you you get into graffiti and then you start tagging the area and yeah, drawing. Yeah, I mean, and then, so, yeah, I mean, not to any extent, obviously, but it was, yeah, it was your, you'd found something. Yeah. That was, well, I love mm. this. This is what I'm on. I've seen and it in a video. And I was like, wow, yeah. you know, it's different. It's not. You know, it wasn't a teacher saying, like, draw a still life. Yeah. Um, and the whole thing of changing the shapes of letters, I don't know. Because like, I learned to do joined up writing before we learned it at school. Like, I don't know, I was just, like... Okay, yeah, just yeah. Just got into that whole thing. Hand so you had an appreciation maybe without realising it. You don't kind of realise yeah. at that age, do you? But you're, there is an appreciation no, for the type. Up writing today, I was like, oh, what, like this sort of thing? Yeah. Within the lines, of, yeah. like, two lines I... of the pencil and, that, and the big loops. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so there was that the tagging and I don't know just really and so you go you go over there you do another you do a year's education or so out there and mm. you still got graffiti well, in I your mind because then like Norway was very tame it's just before it kicked off 
Yeah, so what did... So we even did a couple of legal walls. Like there was a train station. Yeah. It was a big, like, sort of tunnel station. It wasn't a closed off from gates and all that. But, yeah. Um, I was like, oh, it'd be awesome to paint that. So me and this kid, who had no clue about what I was talking about, he just jumped in on it. And I drew this thing. And we went up to the Sport of Iron, which is like the like London Transport Company. Yeah. Somehow we spoke, must have phoned up, and I said, I need to speak to someone in marketing. I don't even know if they even had a marketing department. You bet, what, yeah, you but thought. Dude, I showed him the drawing, and I guess he just like, felt sorry for us because we drew this fucking A4 thing. <laughs> <laughs> a rip off of the Rocksteady crew, up rock kind of thing. Wicked. Um, but they gave us like a wana in Norwegian money, like yeah. a little proof of like. You can paint? Yeah, so we went and did the station. Wow. And the trains were like, like, and it stayed there for months. No, there wasn't you get any photos. Other graph kids, and then slowly. More kids got onto it, and then it started kicking off. And then, have you seen that painting? Have you got photos of it? Man, yeah, to got see a that. Of early things showed up on Instagram through various ads, and yeah. people I know, and I'm in touch with some of the old Norway. Like, a couple of things popped up. From wow! Just after that era, when I had a clue, yeah, and sort of figured out trying to have a style rather than just copying a Rockstem crew cover. That is bloody crazy, though, man! What history for that country as well? Yeah. Like a link into their like. And, um, part into it but went nuts with it over there because it was very easy racking like they had no clue and just used to dress up and walk around the pen shops or stationery stores would you get other did you say you got your your friends out there into it I mean there was, there I bumped into a load of people um, who were already somehow cottoning onto it because um, I think there was a lot of because it was like the port town there was American ships came in okay and I think I bumped into some people through an old London friend of mine who joined the Navy, and he happened to be in the main car, your hand street. Wow. And they played a stereo with Electro, and I, was, I heard it from like yeah. a few blocks away, so I leg it up there. And it's my buddy, Andrew Harrison, and then I met some other dudes because they'd heard it, and these kids were breakdancing, and some friendships were formed that day. Oh, my God, that is... And other people, I couldn't say how they found out about it. That's a I don't beautiful visual. went there very early on and did shows they loved Break Machine remember that old they were like those three dudes I'm not even sure where they were from it was like a really electro rapping they did a tour so they opened up some kids minds to it wow but yeah they had quite well they still have quite a thriving graph scene that must have been nuts to see it happen in London and then go out there and then mm-hmm. see it happen again because like the London side was a bit more edgy and like you know, you know I knew like until I sort of met the WD, like, I never really went Coven, because I didn't know anyone, and I knew you can't just sort of roll up there, you just get, you know. So you knew of the places in London. <laughs> so, like, 15, 16, mm. you were in London, yeah, before mm. you go away, and so you you got deep in, deep enough to know about Covent Garden, mm. you knew about a scene in the city. Through nightclubs, I think, sort of, it was aware of stuff, um, just cottoning on, like maybe like skiving off college and going up West End and seeing people at Covent and obviously the boards, and yeah, Jubilee and all those things. And you're just like, oh, right, okay, this is where it's at, yeah, yeah. there's more to it. And so, when you came back, where did you go and live? Did you go and live with another friend? Um, 92, I think it was, came back from Norway, that came to an end. Um, came back here, lived in South Acton Estate with my oldest friend in his student digs. Well, wow. it was terrifying. We used to get chased home. Got like mugged on my birthday. Like just, we was going to a crew meet. We're going to go meet the boys at the wag. Yeah. Walking through the estate, and suddenly like eight kids jump on us, catch a few lumps, and lost my money and stuff. And 
fuck. Got a bit duffed up. But like, it's like, oh man. But uh, and this is '92 acting, that was yeah. '92. Yeah, there was that one crap mark thing came from there. Like, it's pretty hairy. Um, I just I, I, about two years ago, I lived near there. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, round about, but in the the houses area, right on the other side. Yeah, and. It, Crossing through was just different mm. worlds. I mean, it's not what it was. Nowhere, yeah. nowhere like what it was. But yeah, it was. You could imagine. Well, you know, you just like welcome back to London. It was good because after living in Norway for like four years on and off, you've got this sort of safe view of life. And yeah. Really fucks with you over there. Whereas in London, everyone fucks with you. So and the, like, and within the culture as yeah. well that you've chosen. Yeah. But I, I was with the WD. I mean, that eighty-seven. That was just when I started going to Norway. I met them. So you met them early, yeah. 87, yeah. Well, wow. 86, I met Code and Rome at the Mug Club one night. They were just these two dudes, and I thought, oh, they look like writers, and I think we ended up talking. And then I met, because we used to see Skip doing security, and I think, fuck, that dude looks fierce. And then I think I met Drax through Code and Rome, or somebody, and eventually, da 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 and they were like, oh, yeah, he's in the crew. And I was like, oh, wow, that dude. Like I go up to him and go, oh, what's up, man? I'm down with you now. Yeah. But yeah, that was good. And that opened what? a lot of doors and obviously met a lot more people. Mud Club was infamous yeah. as well, yeah. wasn't it? An amazing club. Mm. A lot went on Pretty down there. And it was just a mad mix of cultures, um, music, and everyone. Well, I guess some people, some of the psychobillies were on speed, but most people had a few beers, yeah. a spliff or something. Well, not even, just chilling. Getting on with it, just yeah. happy and enjoying it because it was yeah. a crazy mix of people. Or that psycho. Um, Mutoid Waste Company. Yeah. Walking around with all the lit up alien stuff. And it was pretty good. And was Skip working on that door or uh, just he, in general? Uh, secure? Opera House, I think we used oh, right. to see yeah. more. Yeah. But they all knew Philip Salon. Like, I knew him a little bit, not really, just to sort of blag in, but they knew him quite well and used to do all those things. Um, yeah, man. And so you met all them, but then you went off, you had to go off to Norway and do your schooling. Because, again, I was just fucking around. Like, yeah. It was just concentrating on like fuckery with the boys and had no money and so I had to run back to Norway to the folks my tail between my legs and sort of sort myself out there. right yeah and when you come back did you meet up with them lot again obviously oh, yeah, yeah, yeah straight back in it and like then like sort of party years yeah we I was all over London we just experiencing the rest of it yeah <laughs> which was fun and an education and that uh, but I stopped you know I didn't really draw much and then sort of just having retail jobs and just trying to pay rent on bed sits and kind of didn't draw or get do anything you're just trying to live life yeah basically figure it out and I just realized like that was just messing me up so I was always like tagging a bit still doing little things but just got back into it and then tattooing which was something I think I was 17 when I got my first little guy little spray can in Norway wicked um and that so I started thinking about that a little bit maybe but didn't know anybody so, so that took a while to meet someone. The um, saga took a while after that. So mm. seventeen was the first tattoo. I like, I forgot about that because like, I don't know. I was just growing up or whatever. Or tattooing back then, anyway, was like it was horrible old guys, bikers. You know, they, it was intimidating. The guys just like five minutes smash you. Little, you know, it doesn't even really look like. And you drew it, yeah. Yeah, I drew my little spray can thing. Two drips coming out. Yeah. Can you do that? It's like twenty quid or something. And you went bat bat bat. Probably didn't even know where it was. He didn't even recognise. He just it done the lines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He just wanted my money to go and buy cheap speed with and bad beer after. That was in Norway. And there was only like one tattoo shop in town back then. 
What made you want to get it? Um, I don't know, like, because no one in my family has tattoos. The first person I really saw of my age was Cop, who was the old writer Cop, uh-huh. from sort of Putney, Wimbledon ways, yeah. one of Rev's boys. And he had, it was really bad, it was little Mickey Mouse, I think. And we were mucking around one day in the park, and he had this, and I'm like, oh, yeah, like, that's cool. But, like, maybe I don't want that blurry Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Hmm. Let me think, sort of yeah. forgot about it until... My then missus in Norway wanted to get one, so I'm like, all right, I'll draw something. And went and got involved in it and did that. And it was like straight away, I'm like, wow, that's fucking awesome. But I don't know how, I haven't got a... And at that age as well, you can have, you have that like 10 minute dream. Oh, I'd love to be a tattoo artist. Mm. But then you're like, okay, where's lunch? Or what am I, what am I doing? For, what, what do I, I do to get through this week? I was week? like, you know, maybe one day I can do that and yeah. make some money. Because I was never that guy like at school, I want to be a fireman or a truck driver. Mm-hmm. I had no clue. I just love drawing. Yeah. I didn't have to talk to anyone. You know, I always figured I'll just do something drawing wise. And it hit, gave me that little thing, like the graph thing, like that nudge, like, oh, this is different. Get involved in that. But back then, you know, it wasn't like uh, the graph thing was like, oh, I could be like minded like these people. It was a younger people thing. Tattooing was just sour old dudes with the sort of rock biker, you know, whiskey drinking, hangover mentality. Chapter two culture. Charlie had a dope introduction to culture. He witnessed the birth of hip hop in London and in Norway, which must have been nuts to see. And all of this led him to the world of tattoos. He'd been back and forth from London to Norway and made and kept great friends who inspired him to keep going with tattooing and make it a living. We talk about his first tattooing jobs in street shops and what those places were like and the various places he executed his trade. So do you think you were seeing a crossover before there, there was one? I don't know, I just thought like, you know, it's Without, I'm not, you, people you, like me doing it, maybe yeah. I could find a little, yeah. I could do my own thing within yeah. that. I just got to learn how to do it, and I didn't know how to do that. I knew not to go to these kind of guys because they'll just make you sweep the floor and make cups of tea and like, yeah. teach you shit. No one's going to give and you. And they all sucked there. as well. They were terrible. It wasn't about the art form. They were just like really yeah. tired old motherfuckers. Just that's all they could do. So they just smash through whatever. Um, so you, when you're back in London and you're you find yourself, you get yourself a bed sit. You're working <laughs> and living at various WD members' houses for and, a while, yeah. A so, doing a lot of sofa, sofa yeah. surfing, Robbo's especially car, but yeah, man. <laughs> and partying. What yeah. was what was London like? I mean, it was a good mix. Like, the house, I got it just before the house thing. I guess the thing turning to house and some of the lads getting into the acid and the house vibe and trying ecstasy and all those things. Uh, it just kind of put weird, like, fuzzy angles on it. And we still sort of did our ragtag WD thing. We'd go out as a crew and everyone would get a bit fuzzy and go ministry or whatever. I don't know. It was interesting. And I mean, I wasn't really get fuzzy and talk to people. Like, I guess my shyness, whatever. I just wanted to be with my lot. Yeah. Altered states and everything. But it was fun. It was interesting. And, like, I don't know. I guess everyone was just zapped getting on with their own thing. But And you were saying, like, shit jobs and... yeah. Yeah, yeah, dead end jobs. So not sorts. really thinking about any future, no, just like getting by, getting just through. Just literally, just like, it's like yeah. can I pay the rent on my bullshit fucking space? Can I? Yeah. So I've got a roof over my head and like you know beans and sweet corn on toast, that sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> those years. I, know, I had those years. It was fun. I mean, like for yeah, real. I mean, like I, I'm glad I went through it and having to rack food. Like that's one like one of the bad habits through graft was learning to rack. 
Yeah. But when you're broke, you just rack out everything and then it gets stressful. It's not so much fun trying to rack a little bit of food for dinner or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, you know. Had to be done. (laughs) It's part of those years. So, how long was it before you got into the. So, what's going on at this time as well, actually? You're you're painting with WD and you're going tagging and just doing that WD lifestyle. Is it a whole load of you? Yeah. Massive range of different people. Yeah. And different sides time. and they're like different parts and like there was always the central meetups and then there was all the WRH like that was pretty close knit and obviously PFB a bit later on yeah um, I don't know yeah we used to sort of, I mean yeah we dedicated a lot of time to hanging out and it sort of stayed within the circle wicked and it was good man as various people filtered through yeah. and, and how long did it take before you got an introduction back into tattooing did you get any more tattoos uh, well, over that it time? was Norway again my friend Christian through my old old friend Pete there he got to know him got some ink off him and he was like a, he was more skateboard background done uh-huh. a bit of spraying but he was a couple of years younger than me and like sort of my generation and we eventually met yeah I started getting this sleeve done by him and then him and Saga because Saga had been tattooing a year I was Saga's in London yeah yeah he was yeah. in London the whole time the writer but, yeah because we knew each other on and off from since the 80s. Uh-huh. And then in those early 90s years, kept bumping into him and he started getting some proper ink. Uh, I was thinking about doing it. I was like, oh, wow, like, yeah, but like, that's your thing. I can't really jump on your thing. And then Christian used to come over and hang out with us and tattoo us. And they both just kicked me in the ass and said, like, stop being an idiot. Just have a go at this and get on with it. Wow, man. So, so like, All right. Christian and, yeah, would yeah. come over and hang out in London mm. with you. And he could do little private sessions. We used to work out of Saga's flat in uh, Mornington Crescent above the pawnbrokers. Like they, uh, that's where I started as well later on, after about a year. Was that? And that was amazing. What, <laughs> on the block behind the station? The, the uh, road it used that to runs be like behind... if you come out the station and, and went... You, did you go round um, the Right, curve? and walked towards <clears throat> Mornington Crescent. <clears throat> on the left-hand side, there was a pub called The Perseverance. You crossed yeah. the little road. It was, used to be around the corner from Etch's old spot. Insane. Yeah. Um, but it was above the My Bum pawnbrokers. Him and Hitomi, they lived in this like two floor flat, and um, that's where I did my first one of myself. And like that was it. again. That was probably the third major change in my life. <laughs> and when did that happen? Uh, Ninety-seven. I couldn't say when, but ninety-seven. Wicked fun. And so up to that point, it was just working, hanging I was out, just working around. Yeah, I was trying to do some little on. graph or artwork commissions, a bit of yeah. drawing for a couple of. Like talking loud, we did a few Galliano billboards, me and Skits, and eventually Snatch helped on one as well. And just winging a few things, yeah, but I was stoned and lazy, way. and just kind of we were just sort of hanging out. We used to go that Maximus on a Thursday, Soul yeah. Kitchen, and things like that. The club thing, because it was more specific hip hoppy stuff back then. Mm. Um, but yeah, we went and did that, and that was that was kind of a bit more. I don't know. I need. I realised I needed to be earning money off what I do but wasn't very good at that and so what did you do they, they, they kicked you up the arse to get on with it yeah and then well, you were just what, yeah and then what you have I realised like uh, this tattooing I was working at Mr Bongo's by then wicked and then it got to a point where I'm like alright I've got to stop Mr Bongo's and just throw myself into um, tattooing we'd done two years at Saga's flat just like um, 
getting on with it, tattooing people we knew, friends and friends of friends, like sort of pushing kid. our own artwork, little versions of what we thought was correct. And then we had this old um, uh, Mark Cassidy, RIP, like uh, Mark Gura, he's still ticking. Mm. Fine line tattoos in Chapel Market, which was a real gnarly street shop, like £25, like, ah, oh, what the fuck off, that's too expensive, wow, like all these kind of people. Yeah. Little hearts with a name, you know, really small, real tattooing. And I yeah. got a little job in there after Saga had moved on from there. And I, that's when I really learned, wow. like... It's not just in your mate's flat having a laugh with some yeah. Stella and the bag of Haribo and a you singer burger all after. The tools it was like, well, no, it was absolutely inch. awful. The shop was falling apart and there was like 50 plus porno mags in the drawer and tarantulas <laughs> and crickets running around. It was chaos. Fucking hell. Um, but it was real, it was real tattoo and it gave me a real grassroots learning like, shut the fuck up, stop being an arty punts. Because I knew people who were on the other side, my Norwegian lot. And, yeah. Um, so I had both sides, but the, working in that street shop and tattooing real people for a real, you know, it was the real life. Of How life. long did you work there? That lasted a couple of years. Wow, so, and it was intense as well, just... And like, you know, yeah, like a lot of ignorance. Um, and like no one really cared about the quality of the tattoos. They weren't trying to push artwork because no one wanted it. They just wanted a little 25 pound. Like, used to get all these people from the estate coming in. And they're going, yeah, the bloke in the chinky wrote my name in Chinese. I want to get that on my arm for like 20 quid. And he may have just written one of the menu numbers, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, the dickhead. whole thing about it was like, even yeah. calling it the chinky and the whole thing. It's yeah. just like, oh. It's one of those market days. <laughs> I, I was getting all the interesting side going to Norway when I could afford to, working with my friends there. Yeah. But getting the grassroots, like, or learning how not to be, but um, getting experience anyway. Wicked, man. And I knew, like, I could f- figure out a little niche somewhere in between that in London eventually. A massive learning curve, then. Yeah. One of those, oh, well, yeah. One of those ones, yeah. Definitely. It's like a whip every day, yeah. but you're going to g- gain so much. And, like, you just, like, oh, it, it's crazy. Like, three people from that shop are dead now. Like, it was a rock and roll lifestyle. It was the pub, Jack wow. Daniels and Cokes. There was no, like, stretching because you got backache. Yeah. Just go pub and shoot pool and... Spend your days wages on JDs and Cokes and stuff. It was, Start again. Uh, so it's a bit of a sad ending, you know, like Saga died, Mark Cassidy died, um, The Apprentice, all because of sort of sideline alky booze things and the rock and roll lifestyle mm. suddenly going wrong and that. So, you know, I guess I learnt from that also is to... Watch yourself with yeah. that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> I quite like being alive, it's good, and, you know... Um, and so what happened after that? So that you're was, there for three, two, two years. Um, <clears throat> and then I got offered to work in Soho at Metamorphosis, which was a piercing shop. Mm. Um, they had a spare room. Um, that was at the end of Old Compton Street. That was like um, 99, I think. 2000. And um, I used to go Norway as much as I could, but I couldn't always do that. Mm. Um, had to earn money in London. So I took this job. And it was in Soho, somewhere I knew, and it was still familiar in 2000. Yeah. And had a couple of five years in that basement. Wow. Um, the first three years were amazing. Like, it was killing it. Um, and it sort of changed, and, like, things started changing in London. And I don't know, I think I was getting a bit stressed out about life and just pissed off, whatever. Chapter 3, Creativity. 
After working in various tattoo spots around the city, Charlie goes to the opening of Scene Show at D-Faces Gallery off Parade Street, West London. Due to friends introducing him to Scene, Charlie asks him a question he's sure he's been asked a million times and the answer's perfect for him to start making a plan, keep moving in the direction he's chosen. Um, and towards the end of that is when uh, I met Mr. Scene and then that, that, all that going to work over there sort of thing opened up. How did you meet him? Um, at at the show? Outside Institute exhibition. Mate, I loved that fucking show. That place I was, was crazy. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was, uh, that was probably part four of one of the bigger changes in my life. And uh, That was such a treat, man. Yeah. It was put together really well. Yeah. It was art that blew my we mind, like, see, just like, and it was a proper celebration. Yeah. And the, it was full of artwork. He hadn't really yeah. seen his stuff like that. Not like that. It was that's no, what I'm saying. It was yeah. like wow. Mm-hmm. Like, and it also is kind of one of the first shows. Mm. One of the you know, it was just the beginning of all of that in London. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And that place being a little off key, off Edgeway Road. Yeah. Good it's location. the old sailor's place. Just everything about that place yeah. was insane. And so you got to chat to scene there. Like Mysterious Al and D-Face, because they knew I was doing my little tattoo thing. Yeah. I just mentioned it to him, and we were hanging out in the back one time. and So I'm like, like fuck, I've just got to ask. I'm like, so, you know, is there any chance of like doing a little... Because now it's guest spots. So oh, can I do a guest spot? There's even terminology for it back then. And it was just like, is there any work going? Like, And he was super relaxed. Just like, yeah, you know, give us a shout sometime. Um, and I was going over there with a friend for his birthday a couple of months later, so we trucked up there, phoned up ahead, and yeah. he's like, oh, like, if I'd known you were coming, I would have got you working today type thing. I'm like, oh, shit. So I was like, all right, I'll be back in a month, and like, I'm back to London, booked that ticket. Fuck. And it's, I had a friend who lived in the Bronx. I said, can I stay with you for a month? Is that right? <laughs> and just fucking, that was it. You Jumped were- on that and went and did a three-year stint um, out there, yeah. I mean, I, I was back and forth, mm. but so was that like that going was, to scene? Was that like an amalgamation of everything you loved in a way? Was it because I mean, that it was, it was beautiful tattooing out of there. There's obviously yeah. the underlying, and obviously, scene that was the bit, scene. man. Like, forget like Futura, um, scene, and obviously, Dondi, like the three graph dudes, like, it's just like wow, like Futura for the abstract, scene for just like what hardcore graph is, yeah. making it look clean. And Dondi for just like also that, but just the Style futuristic well. style thing. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, yeah, now and then it used to hit me. I was like, fuck, you know, I'm a fucking tattoo scene. This is ridiculous. And I'd have my own little like, Whoa. but it just made me work harder and I would never work so hard. The tattooing in New York was booming then. It was before Instagram. It was 2000... Uh, f- five to eight or four to eight, something like that. Okay. I went out there in four, mm. and I went to. I haven't got any tattoos, but I went to tattoos. Yeah, and um, I just had to see. I just miss you, man. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, because he was holding court back then, and I met someone there yeah. called Sham, and he signed my book. All right, yeah, and I was like, <laughs> we, we've got a King Sham in London. Is that? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, well, we've got. A sh- I've still got the signature, but yeah, <laughs> I remember that. It was wicked. King Shat, he like, oh man, he's got stories. He can talk. Yeah. Because he had tattooed him a couple of years ago. He came by and he got into his conspiracies and tunnel speak, man. That was something else. That was good. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm about to catch up with him. But the whole New York so, thing, yeah. man, yeah, blew yeah. my mind. Like, work ethic, like, shut the fuck up, do it. Midday till midnight. Did like some seven day a weekers. 
Was it different to London then? You felt it. Um, I mean, yes, way up hustles. in the North Bronx. So you're way, it's like I went down to Manhattan once a week or whatever. But the, the shop was a neighborhood area um, and it used to be busy. There were people sitting and waiting and you just fucking worked. You just got wow. on with it. Were you um, getting to do stuff you liked? Like... So, I mean, yeah, it was all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Custom things, but I was doing a lot of flash, but I'd redraw it. Yeah. Or you're doing, you know, a lot of, I ended up doing a lot of cover ups. Uh-huh. Because um, there's a lot of bad tattooing in New York at that time. <clears throat> I'm sure there still is, but yeah. cover-ups is a huge thing even these days. But yeah. and obviously I was the English guy, and people remember you. And, I mean, it was amazing, yeah. What an experience, yeah. man. And all I did was, like, I just worked, um, and like, my friend who I got to know, he had a martial arts class, a minute's walk from the studio, and I got into that. Wow. And that was another thing that changed my life, like the fifth thing. Um, so I just went there and did that saw a couple of friends here and there but basically I just went and worked came back and it was amazing yeah inspiring man mm, yeah that like yeah and that by then I was sort of getting you know I was in well yeah 2008 I can't do the math 10 years ago yeah 39 just getting to 40 so yeah and it was time to be like alright I'm back in London got to try and figure out I've had all these experiences got to try and put it together and see you know, because I never thought I'd get open the shop. I just ended up in uh, Cheshire Street there because I know Sarah, Urban Species. She's a friend for years. I was going to do the pop-up thing, but seven years later, like, pow, still there, man. Well, that's a man. The shop's the thing. Yeah, I know Sarah. I know, yeah, I know son. Um, yeah, hash. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hash. So they. Um, <laughs> so it was. Oh, it was a shop. It was mm. their shop before, and mm. then you were just going to do a pop-up. They still up. have their office downstairs. Yeah, that's right. They've got, and they got the yeah. retail, and then they had pop-ups. Yeah. Even Bond were in there for a bit, actually. Yeah. Because that's where I first met Raph Simo, funnily enough, was outside, which was yet soon to be the shop in a couple of years' time. First wow. time I met him, I'm like, the fuck is this dude? Like, some weird French guy, like, leaning into my face. Yeah, really, being extra. Like, full on, isn't he? Little <laughs> did I know, like, yes, he, he would end up being Raph Simo. Like, yeah, no, like, I mean, all things like that. Um, I remember, actually, first yeah, time no. I met you, but we didn't actually meet. I was looking for Josh Stutterby. <laughs> and I walked, in, I'd come up to his studio because it was around the corner of my flat, Josh and you were in there. Josh man, yeah. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and you, you, I said, oh, hello, is, is Josh here? Yeah. And it was only maybe a year later I met you. Right, okay. Thought, oh, that was the guy I saw in Josh's yeah. studio. <laughs> yeah, that was before the shop as well. Mm. Yeah, because I was with him at those working rooms, remember, on the canal. Yeah, I lived just around the corner uh, from there, yeah. Because yeah. so, he was trying to get to me to... No, he didn't do a full apprenticeship sort of thing, but he had a go... And through a couple of... There's two people I ended up meeting him through. Um, um, but, yeah, helped him. And I said, Look, I'll help you get better at tattooing if you let me work from your work studio. Yeah. It was a bit awkward because sh- I didn't realise he shared it with two other girls. So I think now and then they just come in and think, who the fuck's this dude? Like, <laughs> um, but, you know, you worked out and that was amazing. And then I got the shop thing and I'm like, like, come dude, let's go for this. And he was a bit like, oh, I'm not ready... So I was like, all right, I think I did the first eight, nine months on my own. Um, Building the business. Yeah. And just seven days, I was just like, all right, and managed to keep it going, yeah. I mean, the rent was cheaper then as well. So, and there was enough, because mo- there was more Londoners in London then. If you yeah. Know what I mean, like now it's most of our customers are 60% like Euro tourists, French and Spanish. Yeah. Italian. 
Have they come in to see like you? Uh, and the some shop of them. A lot of French people know about us because we tattoo so many fucking French people, which is awesome. Mm. But the word spreading. But most Londoners or most people we tattoo, uh, like people who live in England, say, come from out of town. Because a lot of Londoners have moved the fuck out because they can't yeah, afford it. They can't be afford it, can't Which is fair enough. So the first seven, eight months, you grinded by yourself. Yeah. And yeah. what were you thinking? Like, were you like, right, this I don't is know, it. I was just like, wow, like, you I know, can do this? I was like, well, I'm in it. I guess my thing is... Uh, You'd never run a business before. No, I know. I mean, I still live and learn about that. Uh, you know, I didn't learn such skills at school uh, no. like that. But I was just like, all right, I've got this. Let's just... Just keep going, man. Yeah. I mean, I got it tattooed on my leg in French from that film La Haine, like, uh, so far, so good. It's like my life motto. Deal with it, and so far, so good. Still here, and perseverance. <laughs> yeah. Good mottos to carry, yeah. man. Um, because, like, you know, like... Kind of ones that will get you through hmm. those, those yeah. downs, as well as the... Yeah, because you know, there is, you know, there's tons and the pressures, the shopping, you know... I don't know, like... Uh, Mate, shop life's a fucking... It can be a nightmare. Mm. It's so rewarding. It's so yeah. lovely. It's a beautiful thing yeah, to yeah. be doing. And mm. especially with what you're doing, which is bringing people in who will come in and work like as part of this team and, you know, build mm. up and you're training people, you're giving people opportunities. Like, it's yeah. a very rewarding, mm. glorious... Like, beautiful. You get to be creative. But that fucking key yeah. in the front door. Yeah, 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 that's the thing, man. That bill, those mm. licenses. We had this kid, like, even that, in the first, end of the first year, Josh and Raph were in-house. Raph was still apprenticing. Um, and it was a quiet Friday, and I tattooed this kid. He turned out to be a local crackhead. I thought he must have taken something, but and he was getting this little neck tattoo, and it was 60 quid, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be weird. And I was kind of prepping myself for some kind of, you know... And he was, like, patting the pockets at the end, like, oh, I haven't got the money, this crazy South African kid. So I'm like, ah. Oh. So I'm like, come on, let's go cash point, and, like, march him around the cash point holding his arm, and then he's all trying to style it out and everything. So I'm like, oh, he's trying to diddle me. He didn't have any money. He hasn't yeah. got any money in the cash point. And I'm just like, what? Da, 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 like, grilling him for a little bit, and I take his phone and his so-called wallet. So you get these back when you bring me the 60 quid. And then don't see him for a couple of weeks. Well, he came back that night and he's banging on the windows and all this stuff. This is before the red shutters. Right. And then about a week later, a couple of the windows have popped one morning. Like, I roll up and I'm just like, what? And then a week later, there's pink paint thrown all over the shop front. And, like, another window broken. It's just like, wow, like, what's going on here? Like, is it a rival tattoo shop? But they don't act like that. All those sort of, yeah. you know. Um, what is that? <laughs> yeah, well, it turns out, uh, I mean, and then there was two arson attacks. This kid, after the first arson attack, he set fire to the front of the shop. We built the shutters by then, yeah. and they were all scorched and everything. And obviously, it's residential above, so there's crazy police. Sarah from overseas, she's, she's like, right, dangerous. we're going to go legit on this. Phone the cops, detectives. We had like three different crews of detectives. We set up a little video camera. Like, ASEB helped with that. It was all that like, undercover shit. It was hilarious. But terrifying at the same time because I didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. And then we got the second arson attack. And on... you're still opening every day? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Like, we had some late openings twice yeah, after yeah. the attacks, trying to repaint and sort mm. of... I think there was one day when we didn't open because um, the shop smelled really bad of burnt and stuff. But he forced but the in... letterbox. I mean, I nailed the letterbox shut thinking this kid's going to try and piss through the letterbox and I'm not cleaning up this fucking kid, or whoever it was. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, on the second video, because the cameras were working for that, 
Um, you could see him pushing the letterbox, trying to pour petrol in. Um, and this was all because he felt humiliated, because he ended up paying as well. He came back to the shop of, like a month later with another crackhead trying to think it was me on my own. I was on my own first time. But when he came back, Raph, Josh were there, and we were tattooing these four Aussie rugby players. So it was just a shop full of dudes. And we all just sort of, like, everyone's back went super up immediately. And we're just like... And he's trying to be all itsy, and he's all edgy. And and he felt humiliated. That's why he did all the, the fucking... Yeah. Did he admit arson it? attacks. And the police never got him for it, but... Um, uh, it was a whole thing. It was crazy. What a fucking but, thing yeah. to deal yeah. with, man. And the second attack was, like, two days Ooh, before he my got girl's fucking... birthday. And we got, woke up at three in the morning with Sarah going, it happened again. I'm just like, what? So that was just like, wow, like, like, why? But it's like the dealing with, like, if you have something and you put it out in the public arena, you know, all it takes is one freak who's got a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. I uh, had, my shop windows got like, popped. Wow. Like, yeah. five times. Oh, wow. Over, in, in, only in one of the shops, hmm. the, the one at the middle one, five times in hmm. four years. Hmm. And one time... They threw a fucking massive granite block through. Oh, wow. And I couldn't even move it. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, who the fuck took a whole bunch? <laughs> right on three, lads. <laughs> Literally. Um, it's I mean, so effort, annoying. It's so effort. jarring. Yeah. Like, it was, it's like, I mean, it's a personal attack. Yeah, I mean, the, that the must have been scary, man. Forcing the letterbox, the fire thing. The window's yeah. okay. Uh, and, Windows uh, paint, you're like, fucking hell, all right, mate. That's fixable. Yeah, all right, mate, calm down. Fire, like, kills yeah. people, and it's residential above. So he was well wanted, but his crackhead life got the better of him. Isn't that nuts, though, man? Like, Saw one day he was later. just sitting there, yeah. took yeah. a hit, and was yeah. like, I'm going to go and get a tattoo, I'm not going to pay for it. And then ob- the obvious turnout happens. Mm. He, he has to get... Because he got away with things in the neighbourhood. I heard from other retailers in the pub down the road. They said a few things. Like he'd walk into the pub, drink someone's beer, and then smack them when they were like, oi, you know, he's a chancer. Wow. Um, but for once, it didn't go his way. Like, not that I'm such a tough guy, but I'm just like, I need that 60 quid, man. Yeah. Like, I've got 1,800 quid's worth of rent to pay back then. It's gone up a lot more since then. Yeah. I'd say, but um, so I'm not. I'm going to get my sixty quid one way or another, even if it's your phone. Like, there's no way you're not you getting can, away with it. You man. can't let it run. No, you can't let it. I remember a guy coming into my mm. shop, a crackhead in Brighton, came in one day, and he, I saw it. I didn't. I can't remember if I see him or not. When really. he put a t-shirt in the bag, and yeah. he walked past the counter, and I looked, and I was like, "That's pink t-shirt. It's hand painted." So oh, I went yeah, up to him. Yeah. I grabbed him at the door. He's like, "What are you doing?" I said, "Mate, that's my mm. fucking t-shirt." Mm-hmm. And I grabbed the bag. He's like, "No, it's not. No, it's not." I said, <laughs> "I took it out," and I was like, no, "Where'd you get not. this from then?" And it's yeah. hand painted. It's only available Mm-mm. in my shop. Oh, bro. oh brother, that's brilliant, man. I was, I was just testing you. I was like, "Get the fuck out of here, exactly. you cheeky bastard!" My guy wasn't smart enough for that. Yeah, I was lucky. This guy just. But try to charm his way out. No, but like the, the thing of yeah, like I don't know. But anyways, never. That's the Life most ridiculous thing. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't but, even a rival tattoo, or a, you know. What no, I mean? because I've been idiot. through like uh, there's the whole Hell, Ever, Hell's Angels and like uh, that fine line place I talked about. The owner of that, she used to be married to um, the late '90s top dog right. um, Hell's Angel. She broke up with him and. They let her open her shop. It was all that sort of... Back then, it was a thing. It was part of their world, you know. Right. You when had I to moved kind of to get Soho, a license from them. Uh, well, yeah, just you had to sort of Intel. be verified and they'd be yeah. like, all right. Um, and when I got offered the uh, old Compton Street job, 
Um, those guys around the corner, which is now Frist Street Tattoo, and I had to phone this guy, Marcus, up. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's me from around the corner. I used to work for Michelle, da, 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 and they'd be like, oh, rah, 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 and I'd phone back three, four times. By the end of it, he's like, oh, that's all right. You know, uh, but just yeah, to, to sort of, they want to flex and be like, you know, you're sort of stepping on our turf yeah, yeah. a little bit. But because I had the in from working for Michelle, it was just like they needed to growl at me. I'm like, all right, cool. What a mad business, man. But now it's different. Like, you know, like uh, the shop down the road from us opened up. No, no one. Like, we saw the guys, me and Raf and the boys be out the front. And like, it was a big sort of six foot eight tall guy covered in ink who came and helped decorate and open the shop. This crew from wherever they're from. But couldn't even give us a nod like, hello, neighbor. Like, we're opening up. Let's be, you know. It's like, okay, cool. Okay. So it's a bit of a different world then. You can just do, you know, open on next door, like, yeah. if they could, but. And not shake hands. I don't, you know, again, learn to not think about that. They do what they do. I just worry about what happens in our little four walls. Yeah. And, you know, I'm so not really part of the tattoo world. Yeah. Like, just, it's just kids love ink now. That's that. So it's changed that much that you just feel like this is not. I mean, I was never. Uh, I, I guess again it stems from shyness and sort of trying to hold it to my own and my little world of whatever I'm in but I'm not part of the scene well, um, maybe it's all a bit ego fuel it's like graph you know you, yeah, you, but you saw a different scene you saw a different oh, I just tried to I tried, tried to find me in what it was yeah and like you know I, I uh, just figured there'd be some people who'd be into it and you know I'm not trying to I'm trying to be good with it and push good work or you know, that's what it's about, you know. It's an art thing, not just tattoos. Yeah. Like, you can get that if you want it, but I mean, yeah, just um, that'd be amazing. Some quality artists. control and like having morals with it, man, and yeah. doing the right thing for people. Um, and it is a business. You want them to come back, you know. You've got to keep paying the bills. Um, but yeah, we sort of offer our own little brand niche market thing. You know, we're not sort of don't really follow the trends. We have to do whatever the trend tattoo is. I mean, yeah. Um, but we still do it our way and you know not doing stupid stuff on people we say no a lot because you get all these like non-tattoo people trying to get tattooed and they think they know because they've seen an Instagram picture yeah and you explain mate. why it's not going to work and look good in two years but they're just like mm. fuck off somewhere else and yeah, maybe they do it or that. not <laughs> um, oh, yeah that must be quite a thing to carry as a tattoo artist because you can't it's not like you say you've got to read this like bio of my 21 year career before you talk to me about tattooing mm. People don't get that. It's uh, because it's so easy access TV, Instagram. You know, like people. It's like normal. You used to have to seek out the tattoo shop, and you're a bit like, or like, you know, you knew you were going into a tattoo shop. It was you sort of psyched yourself up for it and hoped it went well. And you know, like my first experience, all those sort of. Things. <coughs> so it is not cool. that it should be that, but no, it's not even anything in between ground. No, it's just like service industry. Like draw me this thing and tattoo it on me. I've seen it on telly. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. The customer is not always right. <laughs> no, not when it comes to creative. Mm. Especially when they're not creative. Mm. But they think they know, like, the power of a photo on a phone. And some of these things people show you are photoshops. It's not even a real tattoo. Mm. And then they're just like, mm, you know. But it is what it is. It's, very, it's a very commercial business. But perseverance and, you know, when reality TV finds something else to go make shows about, uh, there won't be so much... It won't be part of everybody's day so 
widely. It's, it's become more than the cool thing then. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like people buying kits online and doing their DIY stuff about it and hand pokes at parties and see all these videos in the shop. It's just like, oh, boy. I mean, it's all going to be disastrous and infections, you know. Um, but people think they've got their own little route in this. Like, yeah. you don't have to go and spend lots of money. Because it hurts. I can see, like, it's not important to people. You know, if you go to a professional, good, artistic tattoo shop, it's going to take a long time, it's going to hurt a lot. You yeah. spend quite a lot of money on it. Um, and the people who aren't prepped to do that, these sort of non-tattoo folks, you know, they... they they don't think about those things. Or they just double tap a screen, it's like, I'll watch the shows. Mm. They I think, think they know. Yeah. Well, you're right then, I think. It's just like when when TV and media decide to yeah. move on to the next mm. is when you be able to breathe again a bit yeah. more. And, and once the attention's off it, and like most, the general focus will go to whatever else and we'll still be there. The perseverance thing, that's why it always comes mm. back to that. Like, mm. Whatever the waves are, we're still there, man. Yeah. Soldiering on. Yeah. Um, doing good work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Crazy man. Yeah, it's funny. Do you do any tattoo conventions or anything? Uh, some of the guys at the shop have. Yeah, that's a whole kind of meat markety sort of world, and it's a bit ba- uh, buddy buddy back slapping. You know the Grapevine Network thing. Okay. Which again, I've, I've sort of never really got too involved in. Yeah. Um, all I think about is the shop that takes up. You know, most of, of my brain power. Wicked. It'd be nice to do them. I have done them in the past. My friend Christian did one in Oslo in 2000, which was amazing. Um, did another one in Scandinavia soon after that. That was super fun. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like when it's, I don't know. Yeah, if we just get on with the shop. Yeah, shop into life. the shop. Shop life. Yeah. yeah. Wicked. <laughs> Who, who's there at the minute? Um, um, got Mario. He's doing his thing. Twist. Um, Raf, when he's in town, we've got Don, um, Jay and Sophie, they're just moving on and they're about to move on. Um, so, yeah, it's just us lot, yeah. Um, and everyone does their little different days and stuff. Um, but it's cool, yeah. Again, it's the core members. Um, we'll bump into someone. Like We're not rushing to get someone in because we want to get the right person, man. You know, it's a small little world and you've got to kind of fit in and... Um, you know, so I think it's a family, isn't it? Yeah, you yeah. A little family. Mm. And we just haven't met that weird little cousin yet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're going to keep trying, man. And it's just getting, you know, like we'll just take the weight and get on with it. Yeah, everyone's ready, willing, and able, and understands the end goal, which is, you know, that means we just long it out, us guys, a bit longer for a bit, and so be it. But we'll meet someone at some point. Yeah. Um, and eventually, I guess the shop will have to move at some point when the rents go crazy, and we'll see where well, we end up. You're just off Brick Lane, aren't you? So, mm. it's yeah, changed dramatically mm. around there in the years you've been there. Mm. Certainly has the amount of businesses that have come and gone. Like it was like forty the other year, but some what? of them were pop ups. But yeah, half of them tried to have a long lasting business, and for whatever reasons, or if it's just you know. It's, it's hard. Um, there's not much love for independent business in London. It's crazy corporate. Like Soho. Like, what happened to Soho, man? Wow. Capitalism is meant to be a back and forth. It's mm. meant to be a bartering and bargaining yeah. thing. It's not meant to be killing. 
And what's happening mm. is the big corporations are just coming in and just wiping their ears yeah. out. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, we're meant Cost to have a coffee. Yeah, everywhere. Pret a manger, even though we do go there yeah. <laughs> most days. Uh, but but it's, that's the city life. What yeah. are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the sandwich shops are shutting. Mm. Mm. Like, you don't see a good sandwich shop no. anymore. There's a couple. There's a couple, but I mean, you know what I mean? It was. They're not that good, that's why we don't go there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. It's, um, that's, that's London. So, have you, got, have you thought about where you'd move to if you had to? I don't know. I'd like point? to say, because if you go too far off the beaten track, people forget. They lose the will to travel, especially because mm. we've lost a lot of like. We still have a lot of regulars and people who would, but uh, is it the word transient? London's so transient, is, like that people yeah. sort of forget, and like if you're not there, all of a sudden they'll be like, "Oh, it's got the road." I mean, that's happened to me a lot over the years, like especially when I went to New York, like, halfway through a few sleeves where you'd think the person would wait, but I just never heard from them again. Mm. Maybe some other dude finished it, or I don't know. Mm. it's a tough game yeah <laughs> definitely a tough game but then again people get smaller tattoos that they get in one hit now so that's changed like that as well um, is there in London at the minute yeah mm. that's the people thing. sort of have these little collages of small bits rather than oh, yeah yeah you know rather than full pieces which yeah. mm. you know I can see that yeah mm. again it's the expense thing and people fit in a little one you know it's hard to dedicate a whole arm yeah you know, like maybe two years of your life and you know, it could be. I mean, I know a guy who spent three grand on a tattoo. Yeah, that's a lot of. You know, you got to have spare monies every couple of months to keep that going mm-hmm. and finish it. Which is fair enough. Amazing. So yeah. it's continuous for life, though. <laughs> yeah. It's a definite. But we're in it to win it, and you know, like, like look after yourself. Like, I try like with Raf and Marcus. You know, we're all trying to be healthy and stretch, and like yogas and foam rollers. Um, and not doing that, you know, Jack Daniels and Coke down the pub every night, drinking away the pain. Because it does message your back up. It's like any, you know, artistic endeavour, you spend a lot of years on it. It affects your body. Does the machine shake as well? Uh, no, not. I right. use a very different, a rotary one now. No, it's my stretching no. hand I get the more, because that's tense because you're pushing on the skin. Ah, uh, yeah. So it goes up this arm and into my neck. Yeah. And you might sit at a weird angle or if I have to stand and tattoo. Because in the early years, you lean... You know, you're that close from the person's yeah. skin. You're just trying to be like, what the fuck am I doing? And over the years, like, you get your... Position, but yeah. still, it's not... I've already done a lot of damage. It's not life, fully comfortable. Right? Mm. So there's a... Yeah, know. it kicks my ass. I have to do my exercises and... So, you know... But, but uh, you know, we've got benches and, thing, you know, it's not you've got people twisted up in chairs like it used to be. Old office chairs that are all broken. <laughs> we have decent furniture and yeah. um, try and maintain... That's a beautiful salon, man. It's gorgeous, isn't it? <laughs> it's lovely. It's a, it's a weird Don't little space. Shop. It's very small. Wish we had a bit more room. Yeah, it's but the it's little backyard, which really weather's nice. Like, that saves all our lives. You can go and hang out. Yeah. Um, and it seems to attract good customers that aren't, you know, too annoying or aggressive or whatever. Um, but, yeah, no, people think we're the other shop down the road. They don't always read the window. And it says no piercing, but we get asked if we do piercing pretty much every day still. <laughs> but, you know, people are walking the door are nice and, you know, it's good. Yeah. They sometimes have these cuckoo ideas, but uh, we say no, but we give them good reasons why they seem to understand um, it gives off good vibes, a little creative 
small workspace. That's what it is, man. Right. Mm. Wicked, man. Well, Charlie, thanks for that, man. Oh, that yeah, very cool. awesome. It's cool to sit here and chat, man. Dope very journey, cool. man. Never done anything like... Listen to a lot of podcasts, you know. Yeah. And the sharing of conversation and information is good. It's better than watching Big Brother or... Exactly. You know what I mean? It is. <laughs> that is dope, though, man. It's a nice, you know, way to... Oh, it's good to hear how that story all came together. Mm. And and it's a bit like, you know, it fell in, into a situation, but it's just trying to, you know... It's the life of the creative, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean... You yeah. never know. It's not written. I'm not... You know, it's not a salary <clears throat> guy. It causes a few home stresses, but, you know, the payoffs are good, man. Yeah. I yeah. I fully... Yeah, I, I can't... <clears throat> I don't know, man. It feeds so much. Yeah. Yes, mm. in real life, it's hard. Mm. The bills are hard. Yeah. The, you know, the everyday life yeah. part is hard. Being it's a responsible bit. And like, yeah. You've got to focus as much on that as on the other bit. Mm. But at it, the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it can't... It, nothing else can yeah. feed you yeah, that no, much. No. There it's can't the be anything thing. else that yeah. feeds you like that. Mm. You know? And mm. it's hard to drink... Well, just can't mm. walk away. It's always on. Yeah, man. Wicked. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. Big ups, man. Awesome. <laughs> Charlie was born to do this. His love for art is so strongly visible on him, obviously, but also in his words. He's definitely a creative soul. Again, another great art backstory. I really appreciate Charlie sharing that with us. Big up the Kids Love East crew and, of course, our good friends, the French crew, EC. Big up Aceb, Simo and Nice. We love you guys. Catch you all next week. You're not going to believe the lineup coming, so I'm not going to tell you. Just keep listening. Until then, love your city and love your culture. This is F24.